1: Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. There's been a lot of inks built in the past decade about young adults' quote-unquote failure to launch, wherein 20-somethings who should be progressing into independent adulthood end up spending that decade of their life in a sort of extended adolescence. Several reasons have been given for this phenomenon, from the economy to helicopter parenting. After conducting a landmark 25-year study, my guest today argues that a major factor in young adults' failure to launch is actually rooted in their difficulty in finding a purpose for their life. His name is William Damon. He's a professor of education at Stanford University. And today on the show, we discuss the results of his study and the importance of having an overarching aim in life. These are themes of his book, The Path to Purpose. We begin our conversation discussing the criteria of a good life's purpose and why fewer young people have one today. We then discuss why more young people are prioritizing fame and fortune over public service compared to their peers a half century ago. The new places many young people are finding purpose today and why that's led to a decrease in civic engagement and the benefits that come from having a clear purpose in life. We end by talking about how a young person, even those longer in the two, who still feel adrift, can find a life's purpose and what parents can do to help their children find theirs. After the show's over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash path to purpose. Professor William Damon, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you wrote a book called The Path to Purpose, and it was the capstone of this 25-year study that you did on how young people find Fulfilling purposes in their life. I'm curious, what was the impetus behind that 25 year study? Why did you think it had to be done?
0: When I realized that the studies that I'd been doing on young people's identity and their values and how they succeed in life and the kind of commitments they make, that the Real master concept that I was groping towards at the time and not really understanding what was bringing all this together that that master concept really was the kinds of goals, long-term goals that some young people develop. Uh, and when they do, they get a sense of direction that, brings them through the hard times, the uncertainties, especially in adolescence and early adulthood, when you don't really know what your future is going to be. And I had a realization that what was really driving the successful young people was that they had found something that they could dedicate their lives to, something that they believed in that was beyond the self, that was something larger than their own immediate short-term desires to get into a good college or get a job or have fun or any of the kinds of things that normally drive young people, and all of those things are fine and they're part of growing up, but What really made a difference for the young people that seem to have a great sense of Certainty and satisfaction and fulfillment about their lives was that they had found something to commit themselves to. And that concept was purpose. And I think that some of the things that I read at the time I was reading, for example, Victor Frankl's wonderful book about man's search for meaning and his own struggles and trials and how he found purpose and that got him through a terrible time. Uh, when he was imprisoned uh, in Germany. I read some theology, uh, Rick Warren's book on the purpose-driven life, which of course was a religious book that was very inspiring to me. And a number of other sources that I realized finally that this was, The idea that pulled together all of the insights that I'd had previously about identity and goal directedness and moral commitment and all of the, all of the many related things that I've been interested in. Purpose brought it all together.
1: I think you kind of alluded to the definition of purpose through that answer you just gave. So first, it's it's something outside of yourself. But how else, what are the other factors that you found that make for a, a purpose in life?
0: Right, and this is a really good question because, of course, people use purpose in the common language in a million different ways. And sometimes they use it as if it's synonymous with words like passion, for example, or meaning. Uh, and course all of these other words are related in some way, but purpose has its own particular meaning. If if it didn't, you wouldn't even need the word. What my group did, my research team did for, it actually took about a year, uh, was to do a, an examination of how philosophers and theologians and other people had been using the word in a particular way. And so we came up with a definition that I think is now being used in a lot of scientific studies beyond our own, which relies on a number of criteria that are, and they're all important. And one of the important aspects of purpose is that it is A long term goal. It's a long term intention. It's not a short, it's not going to town and trying to find a parking place or trying to go to a good movie or get a date on Saturday night or earn some money or, or get into a college. It's, it's not a finite short-term goal. It's a long-term future horizon kind of perspective, and it's enduring. So that's number one. Number two, it's something that is meaningful. That's an important part of it. So nobody can give you your purpose and say you've got to do it. That's not a purpose if you're just carrying out somebody's orders it's something that you own yourself, that you buy into, that you believe in. So it has to be meaningful to you. And then third, and this is an important distinction between other things that are meaningful to you, is that it's something beyond the self. It's not just all about me, all about my own interests, my own development, my own protection. And again, there's nothing wrong with being uh, concerned about uh, meaningfulness to yourself, but its purpose is something more than that. It's a desire to have consequence on the world beyond the self in some way. It could be something altruistic, contributing to the welfare of others. It could be something aesthetic, creating something beautiful or something interesting, lasting in the world. It could be scientific, learning or discovering something about the world. There are lots of forms of going beyond the self. But it's not all about my own fulfillment, my own satisfaction, my own happiness. It's something that engages you in the broader universe. So when you put all of these criteria together, that gives you the unique definition of the word purpose. And it's consistent, as I said, with the way a lot of previous philosophers and other scholars and other people have written about it. But we wanted to make it really clear because we do scientific work. And when you do scientific work, every word has to be defined in a way that distinguishes it from other terms, obviously.
1: So in this 25-year study that you did, did you follow like the same cohort of individuals or were you interviewing lots of people, different people, d- within that 25 years?
0: Well, we, we do not have a 25-year study of any one cohort. Uh, we've, we have actually, it's a program of research. It's a 25-year program of research, which consists of a number of different studies. We have one longitudinal data set that we began in the early 2000s, which would be about 15 years ago. And we've been following those young people, I think, remembering right our most recent follow-up was maybe 2010 and we have plans to go back if we can but generally we do longitudinal work and we follow young people or for a few years and as long as we have uh, an opportunity to do that I will say that we have a study now of people at midlife begins when people are 50 or above and we're very interested in purpose as Uh, folks age and as they even retire from their initial job or their Children leave home, and they have to search for new purposes in life, what we call encore purposes. And so we're very interested in purpose as a lifelong capacity that is important all through life, not just when you're a young adult, but when when you're in midlife and when you're an older person.
1: This research you've done on young people, did you find that a lot of young people didn't have a purpose in life or didn't have a clear purpose they were
0: aiming for? We found a... Um, A number of different groups of young people. In our initial study, only about one in five of the young people between the ages of 12 and 22 had really clear, strong purposes already developed, which leaves 80% that did not. But of those 80%, about two-thirds or three-quarters of those young folks had begun to search for purpose, had initial leanings or ideas or inclinations or interests that would lead them to purpose. And there were a number, a small number, 20 to 25 percent of the total population that had not even begun their search and were still drifting. So we found a lot of heterogeneity in that population. But, But it's a moving target. And as they grow, a lot of the young people that had not found purpose began or moved ahead or, or began to find commitments that they that they could really care about.
1: Within your research, were you able to find any any changes in generations? What was it like maybe 50 years ago with baby boomers when they were young? Do you have any comparison between that?
0: Well, not, not research-wise, because of course I wasn't doing that. I'm a baby boomer myself, and uh, I wasn't doing research 50 years ago. I was being a young person myself. And nobody was doing this kind of work, so we don't really have anything like a a solid scientific comparison with the same measures. I will say that in reading history about previous generations, it does seem to me that there are periods in every society where there is a strong sense of national purpose. For example, in reading about the lives of young people during the Great Depression, which the sociologist Glenn Elder has written about in a book called Children of the Great Depression, it was pretty clear that a lot of the young people growing up in families that did not have very much and the, the dad was out of work and everyone was scrambling around to survive economically. These young people, Really pulled together and shouldered a lot of the family burdens and had a ready made purpose that they could devote themselves to, which is helping their families get through these hard times. So, and that generation according to the previous sociological research, looked very good in their uh, in their further development. In fact, that was the generation that later became called the greatest generation by, I think it was Tom Brokaw who wrote that book. And I think there's some point to that. There are times in history when there are national purposes. Of course, World War II was another example where the whole society really bought into it. Uh, that was the same generation when it was when it was a bit older and i think it is kind of a ready made purpose that does make it a bit easier for young people to find commitments that they can devote themselves to commitments that are beyond the self and i think in our time things are a bit confusing for young people because The world has so many options and especially with globalization and technology and even the world of work is changing so that fewer and fewer people are going into a corporation and expecting to stay there for 40 or 50 years and be a loyal member of that company, that's that's becoming more and more rare. People aren't living in the same communities anymore. They are moving all over the place. The age of marriage and family formation has gone uh, has gone has become much older, even less common. So all of these big purposes in life are becoming more elusive for this generation. So I, I think that it is it, it it's a challenge right now for a young person to find a purpose. But young people are. There are plenty of young people that are uh, successful in this.
1: And I guess the other challenge, too, with technology, you mentioned that, is a lot of the technology is very individualistic. It's very
0: self-referential, right? Like social media. Yes, that's exactly right. And the whole sense of community is elusive these days. And all the research that we look at shows Increasing amounts of social isolation at all ages. And interestingly, it's at the youngest ages that you find the most increase in social isolation in the data that I've seen. So not having a community of of actual uh, real-life people that you can meet with face-to-face beyond the social media kind of uh, interactions. That, again, uh, removes one great source of purpose
1: from young people's lives. And you, you mentioned a study that was done where they compared and contrast you know, what college students' priorities in life were, say, 50 years ago to what they are today. And I think it was 50 years ago the top priority was to you know, do meaningful work or something like that. And now it's, for a lot of young people, it's to be rich and famous. Is that is that my referencing the right study? Yes, uh,
0: that came out of uh, UCLA, a group in UCLA that has studied everything from uh, goals to spirituality in life, and and that is what they found. That at least when they did that research, now that research is not totally current. I believe it's about twenty years old at this point. But Sandy Aston is the person who did that work. But at least at that point, that's right. There were a strong trend towards. More material and uh, career-oriented goals, rather than that—that that are that were not personally meaningful. I can't say for sure if if that trend is continued or not. Because as I said earlier, it's a very heterogeneous population and we find lots of distinctions between how young people are approaching their futures. There certainly is a thriving number of young people who are very idealistic. That, that hasn't gone away. It's it's more that I think when they confront the world of work and the necessity to kind of get out there and compete in the in the economy. They're getting messages that tend to orient them to more materialistic kinds of goals.
1: One manifestation of that—you you go into detail about the book—is that fewer young people are, even have an interest of, in doing public service or running
0: for political office nowadays. The lowest number of young people, the smallest percentage of purposeful aims of all the different sources of purpose, was the idea of civic leadership of some kind. The sources of purpose that were popular uh, in the, in our studies included family, the idea of forming a family, of uh, supporting a family, vocation, which of course is always a big source of purpose uh, for young people, faith, other kinds of community goals like charity and that kind of thing, service, but the idea of getting involved in leadership in your community, such as running for mayor of your town or joining the school board or being on city council, that was not high on the uh, on the list uh, of many young people. That was the smallest portion of young people about his goals. And I know that must have changed uh, from at least when I was young because I remember uh, a lot of my schoolmates uh, in my classes in high school I had definitely had civic aspirations. So I think that even though we weren't doing research back then, I think it's fair to say that this has been a decrease over the years.
1: Were you able to get any insights as to why young people were less interested in civic leadership? and Did they give reasons why they had no interest in that whatsoever?
0: It's hard to generalize about that. I I think, I mean, part of it is that the other sources of purpose have become so attractive to young people. For example, family, to give you one example. Um, And family is a great source of purpose. I, I don't want to disparage it at all. But I will note that this is a very family-oriented cohort of young people, uh, which is different than when I was young. When I was young, there was a much bigger um, emphasis on autonomy, of breaking away from the family. Those were the days of what was called the generation gap. The idea that, gee, I'm going to devote my life to, to supporting a family or, or being connected with my extended family, taking care of my mom and dad. I mean, these are wonderful aspirations, but they, they were not high on the radar screen. Family now is a very laudatory and admirable goal that young people have. And, and the same thing for work. I think young people really are concerned about having a, a good career. And there is almost a sense of insecurity among young people that, gee, am I going to find something that is going to be both interesting and rewarding? And I think that when I was younger, there was a much stronger sense of security that the economy would somehow take care of us, and it might have been a it might have been a time of more affluence uh, generally. I think there's been a lot written about how uh, the economy has gotten so hard for so many groups of people. So I think that it's probably a case that these other sources of purpose are now so compelling that they've pulled young people away from the public sphere in ways that we're not. the case generation or two ago
1: that could help the individual but that could have effects for us as a
0: society with fewer people engaged in civic life certainly and it's it's an important part of becoming a mature adult to to care about the society at large to become a good citizen uh, to contribute And of course, a lot of this, I mean, you you remember, the work that we had done in this area is really focused on young people in adolescent and early adult period, um, between the ages of, say, 12 and 25 or 26 or something like that. They're going to keep developing. They're going to keep growing. And so a lot of these concerns could well be in their future. And I always say it's very important that development does not stop uh, at the end of high school or at the end of college or even at the end of young adulthood. As long as the brain is alive, people keep learning and growing all through life. So a lot of the things that we're looking at that are, are not yet complete are very likely to happen for at least A lot of the young people that we've been looking at.
1: So let's talk about the benefits of having a life purpose. In your research, what are some of the benefits you and your team found that come with having a clearly
0: defined purpose? Well, certainly motivation, energy, resilience. If you have something beyond the self that you're dedicated to, it helps you get through all of the tough times that inevitably all of us have you bounce back failure does not discourage you because you don't take it personally it's not all about you you're not your main source of concern you care about the cause that you're dedicating yourself to or the goals that you have what you're trying to accomplish so you keep going so all of the motivational benefits of purpose are really clear and then, of course, when you're highly motivated with something and you're really engaged and working hard to get it accomplished, there is there is a sense of satisfaction uh, to that. There's a sense of that life flows, that you are brought out of yourself into something that, that you really care about. I also think that... A lot of people have talked about emotional states like joy and passion, and I think that often these do accompany purpose, but they're not the same thing. And I do want to point out, because I think it's a mistake that people make, is that Purpose is not always accomplished every minute by a sense of joy or a sense of passion. A lot of times it's uh, it's a uh, story of drudgery and just uh, diligence and grit and keeping things going, even when it's not very much fun. And that's what commitment is. It's, it's sticking with things. But in the long run, it brings you a lot of satisfaction. It doesn't mean that every moment you're full of flow and passion and joy and all of those positive emotions. But in the long run, it's a very satisfying, fulfilling sense that you, you have really worked to accomplish something and you care about it and you've made some progress on it. So uh, I think it is a a strength in life. It's something that it's a capacity that brings a lot of personal rewards. Those rewards include often a sense of joy, but more importantly, they include a, a sense of great satisfaction, and as I said, resilience and energy and motivation. And I will say one other thing, that there have been studies in gerontology. i mentioned that we are doing some work at the upper end of the age span, and there's work in gerontology that seems to indicate that purpose is connected with health and a, a decrease in both morbidity and mortality. We haven't done that work ourselves, but the field of gerontology has reported that kind of finding
1: how do people go about finding a purpose in life? And what did you guys see? Is it something you sit down at a journal and you, you know, you answer some questions and you, boom, you have a purpose or is it much more fluid and organic?
0: It's more organic and it starts small, like everything in life. It begins with having interests that you pursue. There are some conditions that promote it. For example, Having someone in your life that you admire, somebody that is like a mentor or that demonstrates to you what a life of purpose can look like. It could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be somebody that you work for. That's a big help. Having what you do in life matters, that it makes a difference. Taking what you do seriously. There are two great realizations that every young person or every person who we've seen who has developed purpose, has at some point. Uh, And one one revelation is that what I do in this world matters. I can make a difference. And the other revelation is that the world needs something, that there is some way that what I do can improve or help, either help other people or add something to the world that's valuable. And it can be something uh, very consequential. Uh, It could be something very consequential, like the young people that want to go into medicine and cure cancer or something like that, very serious kinds of goals. Or it could be something that is not a a response to something, a problem in life, but just something that adds to the world, like one young person, that we studied felt that scales, the musical scales used in jazz music, had gotten boring. So he was dedicating himself to writing new scales and trying them out with new kinds of music. So it could be something ordinary, like raising a family. It could be something heroic, like wanting to be an astronaut. There's always a the sense that I can do something that matters, and it matters to the world. And Beyond that, the world actually needs this. The world can, uh, there's a deficit, there's something that is missing that I can add to. And when those two insights, Are combined, and then the person devotes some time to learning how to do this, to learning how to develop the skills that will enable the person to make the contribution. That's when purpose really starts moving. That's when the capacity really begins to develop. And I thought it was an interesting
1: point that your research found that yeah, parents can be a source, sort of a mentor, but you found that it's often non-familial or non-parental mentors who have the most impact on a on a young person.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm really glad you said that and put it that way, because that's, that's exactly right. And it's something that a lot of parents don't realize, I think. I think some parents, or even a lot of parents, feel that it's their obligation to help write the script of life for their child. And of course, parents have a lot to offer, and they certainly can provide a lot of wisdom and uh, information that's hugely helpful for young people, but you cannot write the script of life for your child. And we usually found, in in most of the cases we looked at, that the purpose that the young person had discovered was not given to them by their parent. We did not find many cases of, for example, a a father saying, well, our family has had three generations of lawyers in it. We have this great uh, law firm. Or this great family business, and now your purpose is going to be to carry on and uh, and be an, be a lawyer just like I was, uh, or an engineer like I've been. We find that the young person has to bring himself or herself to that, and if that doesn't happen, the purpose will not take; it will not endure. What parents can do is introduce their children to possibilities they can listen hard to hear what the interests are that their children have developed on their own they can provide resources and support and encouragement for the child's interests but they cannot give the child a purpose and say okay this is your purpose now go do it that doesn't work it we've never seen a case where that worked. So uh, parents are, are really, really important uh, uh, In fact, most of the young people with purpose uh, had parents who had encouraged them in some way and had added a lot to their lives, but it wasn't introducing the purpose or defining it for the child. It, it was uh, something much more indirect.
1: So, besides introducing them to opportunities, possibilities, listening to your child, would another way that parents can help facilitate their children finding a purpose in life is maybe sharing their story of how they found their purpose
0: in life? Exactly. That, that's exactly right. And again, I'm glad you said that because I was, I was going to, uh, I was remembering that that was the one thing I had not gotten around to mentioning. And again, it, this is amazingly uncommon. We find when we interview young people, sometimes we'll ask them what their parents are doing for their living, uh, with what mom or dad does. And the young person will say something like, well, you know, my dad, uh, works on a computer all day. Uh, you know, he types a bunch of stuff in. I don't know what, it. I don't know what it it's for, but, uh, he works very hard or, or, you know, mom goes out and goes to the office and comes back and they don't really know that maybe what, uh, what their dad has done on the computer all day, has eventuated in a truckload of sardines uh, going to Tennessee or Texas or uh, that, in other words, it has some value to the world that something is happening that would not have happened if mom hadn't gone to the office or if dad hadn't typed on the computer all day. And what's really valuable for young people is when their parents actually talk about what it is that they are accomplishing in life, why it is meaningful to them, and what problems they might have had. What what do they have to overcome? What are their frustrations? What kind of resilience have they had to muster in order to done what they want to get done? And other adults, too, have the same uh, opportunities. One of the things I always tell teachers is that you have a great opportunity to tell your students why you find teaching meaningful. Why is that your calling in life? And again, I'm surprised at how few teachers ever do this. It's, it's not, the point isn't to convince students to become teachers themselves. That's not the point at all. The point is to show young people what it is like for a grown-up to have a sense of purpose. And if the young people see that, they'll make their own meaning out of it. And they will find their own way to to have their own kind of calling. But it is enormously helpful for them to hear mom and dad or a teacher or some other adult uh, explain to them why it is that the work that they do, the grown-ups do, is meaningful and important and purposeful.
1: Professor Damu, I know we have a lot of listeners who are you know, in their early 20s, mid-20s, and they're in that point in their life where they're trying to figure out what their purpose is. Do you have any advice or insights based on your research and what they can start doing to to lock down on that
0: purpose? Yeah, uh, and uh, l- let me say, as a background, don't worry too much or or get too impatient. Purpose, just as purpose is a long-term goal, it takes a while to develop the capacity for purpose and to find purposes that actually do match your interests and your beliefs and your abilities. And there's a lot of back and forth experimentation that happens, especially these days when there are so many op- options out there. So don't don't worry too much if it doesn't happen right away. And periods of trial and error are fine as long as there is some sense of forward movement that you've learned from your experiments. You've learned from trying out this job or or doing this kind of activity. It can take quite a while. I mean, a lot of the young people we've looked at by age 30 have had 14, 15 different jobs already. So vocationally, they have not yet gotten there where they've really settled in. I think one of the important things that does help is to try to honestly and frankly identify what your skills are, what you're particularly uh, able to do. And in an honest way, way. Because, I mean, to give you an extreme example, you might love basketball, but you're not going to be a professional basketball player if you're five feet, five inches tall. So, you know, you have to be honest about, and maybe if you love basketball, then you could go into basketball education or adver- or or basketball marketing or something like that, but you wouldn't want to try out for the Golden State Warriors or something like that. So that's an analogy that applies to everything, uh, every kind of career. I mean, there are lots of young people that want to be uh, go into the film industry or be script writers or film directors and or actors and actresses. And a few of them have those kind of talents. Uh, most will not. And you need to honestly assess what you're able to do and listen to other people when they give you feedback about that. That's number one. Number two, you have to honestly look at what the world needs. You know, you when I was a child, when I was eight years old, my big dream in life was to become a whaler uh, because I grew up in the part of, in the section of New England where there were, back in the 1800s, they used to send whaling ships out all over the world. And it was a tremendous romantic fantasy that you could actually go and do something like that. And it didn't take me long to realize that guess what? The world doesn't need people going out uh, catching whales anymore. So that was not a good choice for an occupation. And again, that's an extreme analogy. But the point is that you do have to make an honest assessment of what the world needs. What's the market like? And the combination of, it's really three things that you have to define for yourself. What you're good at doing, what you're capable of, in other words, uh, what the world needs, and what you believe in, what you're interested in, what what you can imagine enjoying for decades of your life. And when you can pull these three things together and combine them into one commitment that that you uh, pursue, uh, that's when you are on the road to purpose. Uh, And as I said, it can take a long time. There's nothing wrong with that, especially these days where the economy is changing, It's very complicated. There's new industries growing up all the time. There aren't ready-made niches for you to go in. You can take your time, but always try to move forward and learn, and learn about those three things. Learn about what you're good at doing, learn about what the world needs, and learn about what you believe in and what you're interested in and what you can imagine getting a lot of satisfaction out of committing yourself to.
1: Yeah, I love that idea of moving forward, and particularly the analogy you gave in the book, the equilibration. You had that psychologist. You know, what's the best way to stay afloat in water? And it's not to float, because that's actually really hard to do. If you've done that, if you're a grown man, it's you're heavy, you start sinking. But it's just to swim forward. Right, right.
0: It's again, it's a little counterintuitive. Yeah, being static is is not a good way to get balance in life. It turns out it's moving forward. It's developing. It's growing. It's changing. That's how you actually. Balance yourself in the world, not just by standing still. And, uh, and as I said, you, you kind of know in life when you're learning something. And you and remember, you learn through your failures as well as your successes. So that's why I always, when I write, I always urge people at all ages to don't don't be impatient and don't get discouraged. Uh, just keep moving forward, and things will. Uh, you you will learn as as long as the brain is live and and uh, you're open to experience you will learn and grow. Well, Professor Damien, is there some place people can go to learn more about your work? We have a, a website on my center at Stanford. I'm a professor at Stanford University. And we have a center at Stanford that I direct called the Center on Adolescence. It's Stanford COA, it's the website. And on that website, we constantly post all of the research, the journal articles that my students do, that my colleagues do. I write, when I write something, it goes up there. So that's the best way to keep current about, uh, about the research on on the development of purpose that we're doing. And as I say, we have projects going at all ages now uh, from early adulthood up through old age. The Stanford Center on Adolescence website, even though it's called Center on Adolescence, we actually, most of our research now is done on early adulthood, mid midlife, and older age. Uh, and we connect it back, of course, to what happens early in life.
1: Fantastic. Well, Professor Damon, thank you so much for your time. It's
0: been a pleasure. For me, too. I appreciate and And thank you for your good insights, too, into uh, into what we've been doing.
1: My guest today was William Damon. He's a professor of education at Stanford University. He's also the author of the book Path to Purpose. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can also find out more information about his work at williamdamon.com. Also, check out our show notes at aom.is slash path to purpose, all one word, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic well that wraps up another edition of the art of manliness podcast for more manly tips and advice make sure to check out the art of manliness website at artofmanliness.com if you enjoy the show the podcast and have gotten something out of it over the years i'd appreciate it if you take a minute or two to give us a review on itunes or stitcher that helps get the word out about the show as always thank you for your continued support and until next time this is brad mckay telling you to stay manly